0: Welcome to everybody watching online. I am super excited to be together with you and honored that you would be here with us to worship and to continue on in our summer worship series. And today we're gonna talk about magnifying God and what that means to magnify him with our life and with our worship. Psalm 34, verse three through five says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. When we look to God and magnify him accurately, something happens to us on the inside and the outside. God drives out fear. We look to him and we're not ashamed and our faces become radiant. My mom always told me that I was destined to shine. All of us are destined to shine. And when we worship properly, we shine brighter. That's why no matter what you're going through and what you're facing, fear, adversity, hardship, financial difficulty, addiction, whatever it is, lies, deception, accusation, uh, lack of peace, sleepless nights, nightmares, relationship difficulties, I promise you that if you'll look to God, he'll drive away the fear and he'll make you radiant in the midst of it because that's the true sign and wonder of the Lord is that in the midst of hardship and adversity and difficulty, in the midst of suffering and persecution, even if you bombed it and it and it was directly affected by you or indirectly caused by a situation or circumstance around you, can you imagine a people that shines bright no matter what? And instead of combusting, we find ourselves becoming more radiant more hungry, more thirsty, and more on fire for the Lord. Now that is a sign and a wonder because that is so contrary and opposite to the ways of the world. Let's magnify the Lord together. Magnifying what? His name, verse three. This is a house that magnifies his name. And when we magnify his name, Anything else that's becoming magnified in our life fades away. The issues, the struggles, the fears, the worries, the doubts, and we all have them. There's not a person in this room or watching online that doesn't have a struggle, a difficulty, a question mark, an uncertainty or a struggle. For some of you, it may not be blatant sin issues, but inside you're full of fear and turmoil about your circumstance. You know, God created us to live in tension. And I wish sometimes I could take the negative tension away, but there's no power without the positive and negative grounded terminal together. You have to understand that, that it's in the tension that God makes you vulnerable and desperate. It's in the tension we find out who a real man and a real woman is. And when you can magnify God, instead of magnifying your circumstances and your financial problems, and your, the devil is a liar. The devil's a liar. He always wants you focused on the struggles, the problems, the issues. And what's even worse is when he gets you focused on everyone else's issues. He's a master manipulator. It's one thing to constantly be struggling with yourself, but then what he does is he takes that magnification that's on you and he turns it on someone else because there's this deceptive weird thing that if I focus on your deception, it minimizes mine. That's where gossip comes in. This is a house to magnify the name of the Lord. You are a people created to magnify the Lord, but notice it says together. There's something powerful that happens when we meet corporately that you will never get privately. I spend tons of time worshiping, listening to worship, praying, praising God. But when I walked in here this morning, I was sitting here drinking my coffee during the first part of worship And I could feel instantly a downpour and a deluge or a waterfall of the presence of God. And I said, I got to get up to the altar. The minute I stepped up there, it was like my hair stood on end and I felt a downpour of the presence of God. And what I was feeling was something I would only feel together with you in a corporate house at the altar. I never feel that in private. It doesn't mean I don't get touched by God in private. It doesn't mean I don't have encounters and experiences by God in private, but something happens when I'm worshiping together with Troy and Tiffany and Angelo and Susan. Something happens when I'm worshiping in my wife and Jeff and Pastor Marlene and Mariah and my family and my friends and Quinn and Felicia and I look around and all of us together are bringing a spiritual song and a hymn or a scripture or a heart's cry. Personally, it individ- doesn't have to be on the mic. It doesn't have to even be public. I'm making a public declaration in public personally. You understand that? Because I don't know how to do it where I say, okay, everybody come up here. Here's the mic. Y'all come and sing a new song. First off, that'd be a little scary. Second of all, there's a lot of people here. So what happens is, is what you have to understand is every one of you brings something when you come. And I get the fact that you're bringing brokenness and hurts and pains and shame and difficulties. So many of us are. You're not alone. That's what makes the ship of the presence and the house of God so powerful is we all come together declaring the greatness of God in the midst of the tension. We just feel the Lord in here right now. We seek the Lord and he hears us and he delivers us from all of our fears, verse four. I need deliverance from fear. I wish I could tell you that I'm never afraid. But it's that fear that tries to come against me that causes me to fight back differently. That may be getting up in the night to pray. That may be falling on my knees. That may be crying at the altar. That may be making declarations but it definitely means that I'm seeking the Lord in the midst of it. And some of you stop seeking God in the midst of your struggles and fear. stop. If you're gonna learn one thing from me after all these years, it's that one thing. Stop retreating. David's mighty men, Gideon's mighty men were broken people that battled with fear. Even Gideon had fear in his heart when he climbed over the hill to hear what the Midianites had to say about the dream. And it wasn't until he heard the promise of God that the fear was driven out for him to stand up against. Outnumbered 100 to one. We're gonna talk today about this understanding of looking, which is magnifying. Verse five, they looked or they magnified him and they were radiant, meaning that they radiated the beauty and the wonder, they shined. They were full of radiation. I call it spiritual radiation therapy. It drives out spiritual cancer. Some of y'all need to get burned up in the presence of God and let it burn out the lies inside of you. And their faces were not ashamed. Your face, our face says everything. And I don't want you to pretend and I don't want you to lie. You're not faking it till you make it. You cannot fake a radiant face from the presence of God. You can't fake that. There's no way to hype it and make it up because it only comes from one source. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God. The name, again, we're building a house for his name and a house of worship, and a house of praise, and a house of prayer, I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify him with what? So our gratitude and our thankfulness actually makes God bigger and greater in the midst of your situation. That's why you give thanks in all things. You're thankful when it's painful. Because what happens when you magnify God, God is so much bigger than our situation. He's a great, 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 big, 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 big God. He's so much bigger than our stuff. He cares so much more than we realize. If a sparrow doesn't fall to to the ground without him noticing, just go sit outside for 10 minutes and look at the birds. Go by the water and look at the sea. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without God noticing or knowing how much more does he care for you. And yet we live as if he doesn't. We live in fear and worry and doubt and disbelief and it affects our worship. And so we stop worshiping when what we really should be doing is no matter how hard it is, get your hands up. No matter what the news is, I get it. When we received news that our child had died as a stillbirth baby inside my wife's tummy and 30 something hours later when we finally got to go to the hospital so that she could be induced after everyone else would have a a, a delivery. So late in the night, two o'clock in the morning, we go. What do we do? As soon as we get into the labor and delivery room, we put worship on. As soon as morning came, we opened the windows and let light in. And the presence of God carried us through because instead of magnifying the worst case situation you could ever think of, we chose to magnify God in the midst of it. We're thankful when it's painful. We thank you, God. I may be in the crappiest situation. You may be in the most dire, straight, worst case scenario situation you could be in your life. What are you gonna do about it? Because God is always the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way out. It's always through praise and thanksgiving. Last week, I said to you, says, the Bible says, enter his courts with thanksgiving. Your gate code is thanksgiving. What's the gate code? Thanksgiving. The gate opened. Because the opposite of thanksgiving is complaining. Doubt, disbelief, negativity. Acts ten forty six. when the Holy Spirit poured out and all the people in the upper room were praying out in tongues What were they saying in their prayer languages? They were magnifying God. That's why when we pray in the spirit, you don't know how to pray as you ought to. You only know so many words in English. It's like, if I pray for Vanessa, I don't know everything going on in Vanessa's life. I know maybe a third, if that, of every situation going on in her heart, her marriage, her kids, her family, her daily struggle. I don't, I don't know most of it, but God does. So when I begin to pray the mysteries of God and intercession for her, the Holy Spirit begins to pray through me for her in ways that I don't know. And so if you, she asked me to pray, I would say, well, Lord, I thank you for Vanessa. And I could probably go a good five, 10 minutes in my English language of thinking of things, thinking of things that she needs prayer for, led by the Spirit. But something happens when I switch to the Spirit. And now as I begin to intercede and pray in the Spirit, God always leads me to magnifying God over her life. Because magnification is all about making bigger. Magnification is always who's larger? Who's larger than in charge? Your situation, your problems, your issues, your heart. The word magnify, I'm going to teach you the, the, the word magnify in both Greek and Hebrew because they each have a unique, different meaning, similar but different. And they both go hand in hand. And the Greek, obviously, it means to make, deem, or declare to be great. To esteem highly, to extol, laud, celebrate by giving praise and glory. To enlarge and increase. But I really like the word conspicuous. Some of y'all have inconspicuous faith. That is not biblical. There's no word that we're called to have inconspicuous faith. Faith. Conspicuous means to attract notice and attention and to stand out and to make clearly, vig- I am so conspicuous. Remember the story? I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I back in the day when I was going to Oral Roberts University, I used to play in pool tournaments all the time and I would win the tournaments left and right, mainly because I wasn't drinking when everyone else was. So I'd go whip their butts and then I'd declare the gospel. My pool cue had crosses on it, fish symbols on it. I'm telling you, I have never, ever been inconspicuous about my faith, never. And there's this one guy that I told my testimony to who's full-scale living in the world, and he knew I had an apartment close by, and I told him about all the days that I used to sell drugs and smoke pot and 30-something years prior. And this guy's at the pool hall one night. I'm not there, and two stripper girls are passing through He hooks up with them and they're like, let's party. So guess who he calls? Me, of all people. Because somehow, I guess, him hearing my testimony led him to think I was still dealing drugs or still smoking pot. So he calls, so he comes, he had actually been to my place one time before. He knew where I lived. It was a gated apartment complex. He pulls up to the gate. It's a Friday night, I'm in my boxer shorts. I'm cleaning house, my apartment about 8.30 or nine o'clock. And all over my, my house was all kinds of God stuff. Plaques, like fast for me and my house will serve the Lord. All kinds of scriptures. I mean, my house was full of God stuff. And he's like, I'm at the gate, rings me up. I'm at the gate, let me in. I met these two stripper girls. We want a party, yeah! And I'm like, dude. I'm not partying, it's Friday night, I'm. Clean. he's like, bro, let, the, let us in, beep, beep, let us in. Put the phone down, and the Lord's like, let him in. So I let him in. I got dressed, and here they're coming up, and I thought to myself, I don't want to be overbearing, so I took one of my little God plaques that are the most noticeable, it's the one that said, that's for my house, and I turned it around to the side. And sure enough, as soon as they came to the door and I opened the door, they stepped in and the one of the girls says, oh my gosh, look at this apartment. Look at that. And she runs Somehow she saw the side of the little thing I turned to the side, the little plaque. She grabbed it, picked it up and showed it to her friend. Look at this. Look at this. And she looks at me. and She says, are you a Christian? That is the first thing she said when I opened up that door. I said, yes, I'm so, I'm so in love with the Lord. She goes, this is incredible. You are an answer to prayer. And I looked at my friend and he was like, so unhappy. He's like, man, did, man did I ruin his night. I so ruined his night. And I've shared the story, but basically I was doing laundry at the little laundromat in the apartment complex. The girl says, Can I go with you to get your laundry? I, I had to run down to the laundry. I said, Sure. And we go to the laundry. And, and as soon as we got there, I start just preaching the gospel boldly to her. And she says, Stop for a second. She looks at me. She says, Your eyes are so dilated. Are you high? I said, I'm high on the Holy Ghost. And she said, That is awesome. And I will tell you, the next day she came to church, Tommy Tenney was preaching. And she sat, he taught on Esther, and at the very, it was a three-hour service, and at the very end, in her little miniskirt, she came up and gave her life to Christ. She wound up, she actually was pregnant and didn't know it. She gave her life to Christ and wound up living for the Lord as long as I knew her after that time. And so my point was, was I was trying to be inconspicuous. But you can't be a fired-up Christian and live inconspicuously. If you're looking to Christ, you shine. You become radiant. No matter your stuff. Okay, you got stuff. Who doesn't? We're not going to live from one healing to the next healing. And we live in this world of I'm constantly broken as fuck. And I always feel good when I get my next fix. That's the way the world does it. We're people in process. And it doesn't mean we don't need continuous healing. But it also means you learn how to find peace and rest now. You can have it now. Can you imagine I said, now listen, those of you that don't know the Lord, you need to get born again today. And for the next year, I'm gonna put you through massive amounts of inner healing classes, cast out tons of demons over you. And we're gonna keep leading you through healing, 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 healing for the next five years. And we're gonna make sure you check all the boxes, go through all the hoops, meet all the red tape issues and things that I think that you should be doing. I mean, people are, that's not how the gospel works. You give your life to Christ and let him start working on you from the inside. Everybody has their unique story. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't have those other things, but God can change you in an instant, in a moment, right now. Right now, if you look to him, you can be radiant. So God wants us to be conspicuous, to attract notice and attention. And I I get it, some of y'all's personality is like, I don't want the spotlight on me, I don't want anybody to notice me. Well, that's not how Jesus lived. This isn't personality-based. And it doesn't mean it has to be so loud and wild and extravagant like me. But what it does mean is you're not li- there's no such thing as a private Christian life. Christ lived a public Christian life. Well, he didn't live a Christian life. He was Christ. But the, the point is, is that, yes, he had private components on the mountain, but his, your life was meant to be lived out loud. The Hebrew understanding is to grow up. To magnify means grow up or to be nourished up in importance, power, accomplishment, and advancement. So the world takes that and makes it about you, but God takes it and puts himself in you and he makes you important in his eyes, important in the kingdom. He gives you his power by his spirit. He helps you to succeed and accomplish every purpose and plan he has for you and he advances you. So from a Hebraic mindset, it's when I magnify God, I get nourished by God. That's the understanding of radiance, spiritual radiation. A plant can't live or a tree can't live without light. So when you look to God, he shines his light on you and he grows you up. So you become radiant and nourished and fruitful when you magnify God properly. Think of a microscope or a telescope or even a macro lens. When your viewpoint gets closer, what you're looking at gets bigger or revealed in greater measure. And imagine God puts his own telescope inside of you so that you can see him. Who knows the mind of Christ but the spirit? But we have the mind of Christ. Who knows the things of God but God himself? So what he does is he puts himself in you so you can have an accurate microscopic viewpoint of him. God can't get any bigger than he is right now. See, the understanding of binoculars and microscopes and telescopes is, or macro lenses is all you're doing is making what you're seeing bigger, but it's not necessarily bigger. So magnification is this understanding as I start to see God for who he really is. Now he becomes bigger in my life. And that's the understanding that proper magnification always comes with greater revelation, which in turn transforms you into the image you're beholding. He's striking, he's excellent, he's very good. So the more that you behold God, the more that the image you're looking at, you become that accurate reflection of him. We behold him as in a mirror and we're transformed from glory to glory. Because now as I behold him, as I get closer to him, he becomes bigger in my life. It's not that he is bigger. He just becomes bigger in my situation and circumstance. And now I'm making him bigger to other people. Because most people don't have any idea of the goodness of God. They have no idea how awesome. Most people don't know the gospel. They don't know the greatness of the Father. You are the one that's tasked to show them. You're his hands and feet. is where we understand his magnificence. You know what magnificent is? It's just how strikingly beautiful and elaborate and extravagant God is. Worship is magnification. Worship is magnification. Not only making God bigger, which is impossible, but getting closer to see just how big he really is. And the closer you get to him, the more in love you're gonna fall with him. The closer that you get to him, the more your issues, your hurts, your pains, your health issues, your cares, your concerns, all of those things in your life diminish away. They fade away in the greatness of God and his presence. They seem less significant and important and even begin to fade away. So my son came to me the other night. He woke me up at five o'clock in the morning. I said, what is it, son? He goes, there's little, I'm seeing little shadows and people in my room. I said, all right, well, let's get up and go deal with it. So I walked in his room and I said, now, son, this is where you have to learn to call out to Jesus and rebuke those things and tell him to leave, but you never have to have fear. So I walked in his room with them and I said, in Jesus' name, anything in or around this house, get out. Now, son, you learn to do the same. Lord, I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you that we don't have to fear. I didn't go into a 25-minute tongue-talking rampage around my house. I don't have time for all that. I needed to go back to bed. <laughs> Listen, God works the night shift. God works the night shift, right? And so this is where you need to understand the greatness and the goodness of God. The enemy's defeated. He has no power. So he's trying to rob my son's sleep and rob my sleep. Heck no. Get out. I gotta go back to bed. So the, you need to see that worship is a microscope. Worship is a Microscope. That when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. James four eight, draw near to God, and what does he do? He draws near to you. So there's this reciprocal component where you can't just be passive in your face. Well, God, I know God's always with me. I know God's always there. But there's something about drawing close. If you have little children, there's something about when your little kids want to get some loving. I need some loving, and they come close, and you want to hug them, and you want to bring them up under your arm. My dad. When I was a kid, I'd cuddle up in bed and we called it his wing. And he'd say, come get under my wing. And I'd snuggle up under his arm as as his wing. I would hide under his wing and I would feel so safe. When there's fear and darkness and dad shows up in the room, it all has to go. And that's what my son is already learning at nine years old. So you draw near to God and he draws near to you. And in turn, we cleanse our hands, we purify our hearts and we stop being double-minded. Double-mindedness is this understanding that in the midst of your struggles and your fears and your hardship and your difficulties, God's not good, God's not there, God doesn't have a plan. These are all the lies of the enemy. So in turn we combust, in turn we run to other things to find comfort and strength and safety Instead, that's double-mindedness. In many ways, magnification of God is about vision. So think about magnification under a a telescope, a microscope, or through binoculars. It's this understanding about vision. It's not only seeing him rightly, but giving you a proper viewpoint, or I love to say it this way, a vantage point. So when I go elk hunting in Colorado, it's all about vantage point. You've got to get up high on the edge of the mountains and the cliffs, and then you glass to look to see where the elk are. And so it's all about vantage point. If you have the vantage point or the viewpoint or you're lifted up high, you have the advantage over your enemy. So you get a proper viewpoint, but here's what the vantage point is. You see how God sees. That's the best vantage point that you could ever get. You see how he cares, you see how he's concerned or how he feels about your needs. It's putting God under the microscope. Why? Because he's already got you and your situation under the microscope. Now, thank God for his mercy. But there's not a thing about you that he doesn't know. He knows every hair on the top of your head. Unless you're bald, he knows the hair on your beard. But look, have you ever thought that God knows every thought before you think it and every thought on the the top of your hair in your head? I always think about that. What does he... How does he know that? Especially after you shower and your hair's falling out in the shower. It's like, oh, you had 1,000 hair follicles, but now you have 980 hair follicles. Like, that's how intimate God is. So he's already got the microscope on your situation. You just have to see it the way God sees it, which means you've got to get closer to his vantage point. You need God's vantage point on your situation. That's magnification, That's where wings of eagles come in. Or another way we say it is a bird's eye view. So when the scripture says in Isaiah 40, those that wait upon the Lord will mount up on wings as eagles, this is this understanding that when you mount up by waiting, which waiting isn't passive resignation, it's being entwined to the Lord in the midst of your situation. Stay entwined, beloved. Don't passively resign to your situation. Get up and fight and fight right. And I'm gonna tell you the greatest weapon of worship or warfare is worship. Get your hands up. Proclaim the goodness of God. That confounds the devil. That confounds the people around. Wait a minute, all hell's breaking loose and I'm going through the most difficult situation and I'm worshiping and praising God? That doesn't make any sense in the natural, but it makes all the sense in the spirit. You gotta mount up or launch. That's what I loved about worship today. The second that they started to sing the song, I said, okay, here we go. We're launching. No canned, preconceived worship, predetermined worship. They're singing straight out of Psalm 91. You're singing my psalm. They were singing a canticle. You know what a canticle is? Well, you're about to learn. I'll teach you here in a minute. Wings as eagles, launching, mounting up. Why? So that the eyes of your understanding can be enlightened, which only comes through revelation. You know, there's a lot of great, great definitions of revelation. I like this one. Revelation is finally seeing for the first time what you've been looking at the whole time. That's why I'm like, I know that probably of all the years of me preaching about half the people don't even get what I'm saying. But I say at some point you're going to get it. Let's lose my, use my friend Luis for a moment. I'm going to pick on you. This guy, I'm going to I'm going to be honest, was a lead has been a leader here for a long how many years? Several years, 3 years. And in many ways we all love Luis, but in many ways he's been a real jerk. And he'll admit it. Not nice to the staff, bull-headed, stubborn, hard-headed, quick-tempered. And years later, hearing all the messages, all the sermons, sitting in this house, leading in this house, he gets a revelation at the conference, and then he finally sees that in so many ways he's been just like his dad. And literally he gets cracked open by Kevin Leal, the right word at the right time, a word aptly spoken at the right time in the right season is like settings of silver Apples of gold and settings of silver and literally royalty came transformed and then he got up on supernormal natural. uh, The last ones that we had and repented publicly to everybody and still repenting because God magnified him and his issues and showed him how he was really acting so that he could repent properly and now you know what he's doing? He's magnifying God on a whole nother level. He finally saw what he had been looking at the entire time. But see, that's why you don't give up. That's why we're patient with each other. I don't expect everybody to get it instantly, but we keep preaching the gospel. We keep standing firm on the truth. We keep worshiping God because God's patient. He's kind. he's forbearing with us. And boy, have we been forbearing with you. You put us to the test. Ephesians 1, 17 through 21, that the God of our Lord Jesus is a prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, that the Father of glory would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, his exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Which he worked when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Everybody say, far above, above. high above. above, way above, vantage point. You're looking down on the lies of the devil and the defeated enemy of what Christ did on the cross, and you're understanding that you are seated way above. Eagle eyes, bird's eye view from a different perspective. You need a change in perspective. That's this understanding of magnification. Magnifying God enlightens your eyes and brings understanding of what the hope of your calling is. This is the thing we deal with a lot. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. Well, get your vantage point. You want everyone else to tell you, but only God can bring proper revelation. You gotta get up on the side of the cliff, get your telescope, get your binoculars, and get close to God and get a different vantage point what your inheritance is, how rich and beautiful it is, how great his power is toward you, and how that power puts you in a place high and above. All of us were designed to magnify something or someone, and it was always the Lord. Your DNA was designed to magnify God. But if you're not magnifying God, there's no neutral demilitarized zone here. It's so simple, I'm gonna paint it for you. You have two choices, magnify yourself, your issues, your idols and your problems, or magnify God. And my wife and I recently had a conversation because what I don't want to do is be in denial. I don't want any of you to be in denial. It doesn't mean that the struggle's not real. I understand it. You're in pain, you're hurting, you got physical issues, your situation is the worst of the worst. I get it, I see it. But what am I gonna choose to do? Am I gonna magnify that issue and dwell on it and make it bigger and make it greater and overthink it and overprocess it and try to navigate it and try to figure it out? Or am I going to magnify God over the situation? Here's a great example. Here's an excellent example. It's a little different, but it's a good example. Mary. When Mary receives the announcement from the angel Gabriel that she's going to birth the Son of God, you know what she does? She writes a little short prophetic song based on the scripture. That's called a canticle. If you were Catholic, you understand canticles, right? It's a liturgical song. She writes it from her heart, from her experience, and from her knowledge of the prophetic scriptures. The girl's probably 14 years old and has a deep knowledge of God's word and the promises of God so that when the angel Gabriel makes the announcement, what does she do? She writes a song. You know what the song's called? The Magnificat, which in Italian means it praises. It praises. Now, had the promise come to pass? Had she had Jesus yet? Does she still have to deal with Joseph, who she's engaged to? And does she still have to explain to everyone around her that this is going to sound a little crazy? I've actually never slept with the man, but I'm pregnant. I know this is hard for you to understand. I'm 14 years old. I'm just a little young teenager. But instead of focusing on all her situations and all her fears, what does she do? She writes a song called The Magnificat. She praises God and makes God magnificent and magnifies the greatness of God in her life. Whew, I got chills talking about that, it's powerful. She sang a new song. I've been teaching y'all about this, sing a new song. This is why I loved worship today. challenging the band. Yes, we sang a song that was pre-written, but it fits so perfectly today at the right time, the right way. We springboarded it out of our heart. This is my kind of worship. Now you start practicing it and doing it. Luke 1, 46 through 47. Mary's song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. A rejoicing spirit always leads to a magnifying soul. A rejoicing spirit always leads to a magnifying soul. It's a direct result of the fact that when you receive a prophetic word of truth and promise made over your life and believe it, your spirit rejoices. And even more so when you see the reality of it coming to pass in the here and now, you're gonna rejoice. How many of you are standing on a promise and waiting for a breakthrough in your life? Why don't we all be like Mary, no matter what the situation is, and let's just praise him now. Because there's something powerful when you praise him prior to the answer. God's already made the promise. There's not a promise that's not made to you, and all his promises are yes and amen. How about if you just worship him now? Because you're going to worship him when the promise is fulfilled. You're going to be like, oh, God is so good, man. I was in financial dire straits. I didn't know I was going to make it. I didn't know I was going to pay my next rent. I didn't know I was going to be able to get groceries or pay my next car payment. Whatever your situation is, and then all of a sudden, here comes a big paycheck or a promotion or a raise or unexpected money from somewhere. You're like, "Oh God, so good!" But just a day before, you were complaining and worried and anxious and nervous. When we magnify God, we're not ignoring the reality of our struggle or suffering. We're not living in denial. We know very well the struggles and issues are there, but rather than focusing on them, we choose to embrace the tension. Embrace the tension by either embracing the suffering or fighting against it properly, which always comes down to perspective. God, what's happening in this situation? This tension and adversity is designed by me for a greater purpose. If you got that word in the midst of your situation, you, you should be rejoicing and saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you, I'm not even gonna fight against it. This is the Lord. I guarantee you blame way more stuff on the devil that's actually the Lord. Now sickness isn't from God, I'm not talking about that. But you gotta get a proper perspective of suffering, hardship, and sometimes you cause it and sometimes other people cause it. But we're not gonna live in denial, Psalm 51.3. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. You know what it means for sin to be always before you? It's like I'm constantly battling shame and fear and victim mentality and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. It's like my sin's always before me. This is the reality. The Psalms are as real as it gets. 32 of them are open complaints to God. Some of them completely miss the truth. Like, oh, I came to God and washed my hands in innocence and vain. I'm going back to my old ways. The world doesn't suffer, but I'm suffering. That's a lie, but God put it in there so you can see authenticity and reality and be real with God and stop pretending. Luke 18, 13, the tax collector. So here comes the tax collector into the temple. He stands afar off and he couldn't even look his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful, I'm a sinner. That's real, that's as real as it gets. Like I can't even look to God battling so much shame. Lord mercy, and God says, "Guess who I'm coming after? You're my guy. You're my girl. Cry out! All like, right, you can't even look to the Lord, but God is merciful still." Psalm 44:22. Yet for your sakes, we're killed all day long. Any of you feel like you're being killed all day long? Situations, circumstances, problems, suffering, persecution—we're kind of like sheep for the slaughter. Colossians 1.24, I now rejoice in my sufferings. Now, is Paul saying it for, for others, but it's the same, it applies to us. We rejoice in our suffering and we fill up in our flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Why? For the sake of his body, which is his church. Anybody that is gonna live a godly life is gonna be persecuted. Okay? And then what? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And finally, we magnify God for who he truly is. We're making the reality of his truth real in our life and declaring that to others in our devotion, dedication, worship, piety, and lifestyle. The only way for you to know who God truly is is by surrendering, gaining knowledge and understanding, both through his word and experientially and never giving up. Think about this. The more you learn about God through experiences and his word, the more you have to magnify him with. It's the greater, it's, go, it's like going from little kid binoculars. It, it's kind of a hunting mindset, but it's going from a giant glassing magnifying telescope from a little kid binocular. You've got to get the, understanding and magnification on the inside. And no matter what you're going through, we're not living in denial, but we're putting faith over the fear. We're putting God's insight and wisdom over our own. Do You guys understand that? So when you magnify God, not only are you making him bigger in your situation, not only are you showing who he really is, but you're also being nourished and growing up into the understanding of who you were called to be. This is what worship's all about, is that God, I'm taking my eyes off myself and I'm getting them on you. Draw me closer so that I can see you for who you really are. Let's all stand. Let's take a moment before you guys leave to magnify the Lord. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about your situation today. Are you magnifying your needs before him? And we all have needs, trust me, we all have needs. And it doesn't mean God doesn't wanna speak to you about those. In fact, the more I magnify God, the more he actually speaks to me about the struggles and the needs. He gives me wisdom and insight. He shows me how he sees. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord, I magnify you. Show me your viewpoint your perspective. I behold you, I gaze upon you in the greatness and the beauty of who you really are. Now lift your hands up to the Lord, and we're gonna sing together and magnify God. Come on, let's get those hands up. Those who look to him are radiant and they won't be ashamed. Your face is going to shine.
1: We creation suddenly articulate, With a thousand tongues to lift one crown From north to south Jews, we Christ be magnified.
0: come on just begin to magnify him over your situation what is it today come on don't stay stuck in that spot make a magnifying declaration of the greatness of god as we sing Sing and worship over your stuff, over your need, over your situation, over your struggle, over the sin, over the addiction, over the pain, over the questions. Come on, make it today. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify your name, God.
1: And know Christ be magnified. Let it Christ be magnified. In me.
0: yes Lord magnify him in your own voice today take your eyes off me and the team we're going to end here in a minute but I want you to take a moment I want you to begin to magnify God make him bigger thank him remember your gate code enter his courts with thanksgiving just thank him if you don't know what to do thank him Just begin to magnify him through thanksgiving. Come and let us magnify God together. We're gonna do it together right now, in your own way, your own voice. You can whisper it, you can think it, or you can shout it. I don't care what it looks like in this house. Let's magnify the Lord together today. He's so much bigger. He's so much greater. He's so loving, he's so kind. Come on, beloved, make a declaration today. Do not be silent. I promise you, I promise you, if you won't be silent, you're going to see God invade your situation. He loves you. He cares for you. He's for you. He's a great father. He's an awesome dad. Lord, you're so awesome. You're so good. Worship him this morning with us before we go. Come on, sing it again.
1: Hey, now won't bow to idols. stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice cause you're there too. And I won't be formed by feelings, I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway, you resurrection life. And if I join you, free he now
0: amazing. Lord, break the inconspicuous thing that the devil puts on us, that fear puts on us. Lord, make us a full-on conspicuous church. God, you just pray that. Lord, I want to be conspicuous. I want to make your name great. I want to boldly and publicly declare. I want my life to be a reflection. God, I thank you. You're bigger than the finances. You're bigger than the relationship struggles, the conflict. You're bigger, Lord, than that sickness. You're bigger, God. You love us. You know the plans, the thoughts that you think. Lord, you take aim. You have an aim. You have an aim. The aim of God is a hope and a future. I come against hopelessness this morning. I come against that sickness in your body. In Jesus' name, get out. All spirits of infirmity, I command you to leave my life, this body, this house. Thank you that this is a house of healing. Anyone in pain and suffering physically. Lord, we know that's not from you. And have mercy on our life, God, for anything we put into this temple or done that could have caused that. Have mercy, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And heal us. We turn from our own wicked ways and we trust that you'll heal and forgive us and heal our land. Heal my land. Put your hand on your heart. Heal our land, God. Heal my heart. Heal the earth of this body, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you work all things together for the good to those who love you. I love you. Just tell them you love them today. If you love them, it's going to work for your good. I promise you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Come on, express your love, express your gratitude. We're not going through the motions of church anymore. I'm fighting for you says the Lord I'm fighting for you says God I fought for you on the cross I'm fighting for you on my throne I'm fighting for you with my blood God I thank you that this is a church full of hope radiance, vibrance confidence, boldness, healing, strength. You're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, I rebuke that fear of death out of your life. We're not subject to the bondage of death any longer. We're subject to the king. You are crowned, Lord. You're a crowned king. Take our crowns, Lord. Take my crown. Just say that. Take my crown, Lord. I'm willingly giving it back to you. My life, my life crown, my future crown, my health crown, my money crown, my stuff crown. Take it, Lord. God, I thank you so much, Lord. I just worship you. I'm so excited, Lord, to have you in my life. I'm so in love with you, Lord, and I thank you that this church is madly in love. Thank you that Rock City is a microscope, a telescope, a macro lens to see the beauty of what, of what and who you really are. Thank you for what's happening around the throne night and day, even now, and that you gave us that vantage point. I love you, Lord. You're holy. Just tell Him, Lord, you're holy. You are worthy. You are mighty to save. So, Lord, as we leave today, I pray divine protection over this church. May the Lord protect you. May he keep you. May he, may he make his face to shine upon you. May you be hemmed in. He knows you're rising. He knows you're sitting. Lord, I thank you that you're always with us. We put all of our situations and circumstances in your hands. And I thank you, God, that we don't have to pick it up. We cast our cares on you because you care for us. I love you all so much. You guys have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week.